Welcome to Meet the New Boss, a riveting podcast series exploring how business leaders make their way in the world and how music has influenced who they have become. Here are your hosts, Vince Catanzaro and Jeff Neva. All right, welcome to another episode of Meet the New Boss. We're in season three. Unbelievable, Vince. We made it through season three. This is Jeff Neva, your co-host. With me always is... Vince Catanzaro. Vince Catanzaro. We are the week after Thanksgiving. Record time. This will be published 20, 30 years from now. But right now, it's post-Thanksgiving. How was your Thanksgiving? It was wonderful. Traveled. Um, to Florida, drove terrible traffic. We stayed at the beach, and you know, even what though all the board, go to uh, Florida. well, we stayed in Indian Harbor Beach, a small beach town off the coast of Melbourne. My um, parents re- used to live in Indian Harbor Beach. Really? Come on. For real. My dad was CFO at the Florida Institute of Technology. Yes, yeah, so we have friends. Our friends of ours, uh, a guy named Joel Blatt. He was the chair of the physics department and maybe one other department at fit and and, right. uh, and i li- i lived in indian harbor beach for three years as a kid my son robert lives there right now at tim he said, Florida Tech. yeah he said he lives in melbourne though but does no. he live on the beach side no 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 you're right he lives on the melbourne side yeah the uh that's cool so even with the hurricanes all the boardwalks were pretty beat up. We couldn't get down to the beach, especially with the wheelchair. But uh, we got to go to the beach real quick for a visit, and it was great, great to be down there. So oh, the family, it was nice, good weather. Yep. Awesome. We were in the great state of Alabama. My parents' awesome lake house, um, fabulous Lake Martin. Kids flew in. Oh, I was driving my dad's truck back to him. We had borrowed it, and. I was getting off the interstate, and the car lost all ability to accelerate, to move forward. Serpentine belt broke? Belt initially, like, transmission failing. As I got over to the side of the road, I luckily was able to get down off the exit ramp to the bottom. Uh, it then felt like an alternator because I could, couldn't really, the car couldn't start and run. But yet the lights are still on, so it was a mystery. Still a mystery, maybe. Uh, mechanic initial, so then tow truck has to come. Police eventually come. So that was just me and my dog, which is nice. I didn't have kids with me or anything. Uh, a diagnosis is now fuel pump, but I haven't heard anything as of late. Huh. Well, you didn't have uh, Diane with you. She was separate. She picked up my kids, two of my kids from the airport. And so they were already ahead of me. I had to work full day. She did. She took that day off. So that worked out to where I was in the truck by myself while with the dog. But my dad came from the lake to get me. We had the tow truck taken, all that stuff. So what can you do? I I didn't get the final scores, but I did take a peek while uh, driving home at college football scores my daughter read some scores to me it didn't sound like uh your your university fared very well they, they you know what they were uh, they covered the spread they covered the spread so oh, okay. we were not big win we terminated our coach mid-year we had a beloved auburn running back cadillac williams 
became head coach, interim head coach, first African-American head coach at either Auburn or Alabama, which is interesting. And he had the team that should have just been checked out, quitting, giving up. He had them on fire. He really brought a great spirit to the to the organization. I was super proud of him. His post-game conference speech probably will eventually be picked up and used in a Ted Lasso episode because it was just point for point, note for note, perfect, very emotional. Essentially said I, the, the, these kids that are on the team have given me so much that I can't, I can't even explain it. They made me a better person, a better father, a better husband. It was very emotional. He's a great guy. I don't think he's going to get the nod to be um, to be head coach. Although that would be my vote if they were if they were going to call me and say, "Jeff, it's your decision." Yeah, I like Who should we hired? His NFL days were with Tampa Bay. Is that right? I think so. That's right. You know, I don't follow the NFL at all. I only follow Auburn college football, really. So well, that's it. All right. Well, let's uh, talk a little bit about business and music. What do we What do we have on the agenda this week? Well, I think we want to talk about um, group exercise interviewing a little bit. When you get to kind of further along in your career, sometimes you're going to have more group exercise interviewing. And so some of this is like, how do you set those up? Like, what should they look like? If you're the interviewee, how can you prepare for those? And they're really just extensions of how do we, you know, how do we as humans work together? Um, you know, you're thrown into a, 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 a situation where there's team members that have to solve a problem. How, um, I think it's a dynamic that happens throughout, you know, all the work I do is, you know, for the most part uh, within teams and, and how do we, how do we, you know, how do we execute in those situations? So- so when you've interviewed in the past, Jeff, and you've gone through, you know, I guess you get into those final rounds of interviews, have you been in like group, you know, group working through challenges? Um, yes, yeah, so some will be like um, many, many interviews are with multiple people kind of peppering questions. That's not quite what we're talking about. We're really talking about is there a task at hand? And to how does the group go to solve that task? And how are you as the interviewee interacting? And I've done a couple of those. It's a little bit more seldom for me. Um, And they were about getting to some ideation around an idea and then creating like a presentation of sorts that then you would bring a larger group back in um, and then and then present present the findings or whatever. So I've done a little bit of that. I think it's a, you know, it's a time commitment. It's um, it's a, it's an, it's um, I've I've seen some people on message boards say things like, "Well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to give them work for free." And I'm like, I don't know. Are they really, are they really thinking that they're asking you a real question and you're going to give them some answer and they're going to not hire you and they're going to go use that in their business? Probably not. You know, I've heard seeing people those same types of people so i'm going to send them a bill for my time i never did that you know yeah so i don't, I, I don't, I don't know. know about so, that so because if 
if it's a senior level job, right, these are important things. So I've seen this done in two different kinds of ways where I've mm -hmm. personally experienced it or been involved with it. And, and one was giving puzzles where the interviewers knew the answer to the puzzle, right, but would talk through the puzzle with the interviewee, right, the person being interviewed, and to see how they problem solved, but also, you know, the puzzles were tricky enough that without a little bit of guidance and a little bit of support, you know, it would be tough to, to get to where you're going. And so, uh, and it gave you some insights to how they take feedback and, and those kind of things. And then I've seen an example where, you know, we would bring in, bring in people and do a completely like make-believe situation where it'd be like, okay, you know, we had to design um, a house for a blind couple. Oh. How would we do? How would we do that? What, what considerations would we need to? And they start brainstorming through ideas and start coming up with ideas and, you know, and kind of creating a vision around around that, right? So, um, you know, in in neither of those cases are they directly you know related to any jobs Job, right. but uh you know the i i do think that it's important to be able to understand because that's really what you're doing you're working with people people in problem solving especially at the level that i'm mm -hmm. recruiting at right so you know the you know what is it like to problem solve with people right that's yeah. kind of where i think it's important to to get to yep and i think it's um i think the one caution I would give is, you know, there's a well-known, I've seen studies, an ancient study, a Harvard Business Review from way back, where they would bring in people and tell them they're going to have this leadership um, assessment, and they'd bring them in in groups of five, put them in a room, like, and they'd say, okay, your assessor's going to come in here in a few minutes, and he's going to ask some questions or whatever. And then five, 10 minutes later, a guy would come back in. Hey, sorry, he's running late. It's going to be another 10 minutes. Then they leave. Of course, they're filming all this, right? Then they right. come back in 10 more minutes. You know, he's just wrapping up. And then they come in 10 minutes later and say, sorry, he's not going to make it. Everybody here will get credit, get paid, whatever it was. But before you leave, can just so I have something to show them, can you just write? Uh, who who in the room was the leader? Just write that and send it in, even though we didn't get to talk about leadership, really. And so what they and people would do it. So, of course, everybody's having conversations, you know, as there's no one there. And there's five or six people in the room. And without fail, who do you think they picked? What was who, what was the characteristic of who the groups picked as the leader of the group? Uh, the most impatient one. No, the one that spoke the most words, right? Oh, so they could yeah. empirically go back, you know, Sally said 200 words, Jim said 250, Susie said 275, whatever. Susie was the leader because she spoke the most words in the 30 minutes or whatever. <clears throat> and so I think sometimes leaders intuitively know that and they want to get their ideas out and they want to talk a lot. But I think I would caution people in this example uh, if I were hiring for the president of a company or CEO or, you know, very senior executive, I'd want to see really high, you know, emotional EQ, right? Where they're 
they're able to um, read the room, they're able to tease um, out those people in the room that are not necessarily actively participating. And so I, I think it would be a mistake to go in there kind of with all guns a blaring and feel like I got to say all my words because I got to get all my ideas out. And that's what these people are going to judge me on. I think I would caution against that. I would be much more about how do I get the, you know, the phrase, all, all of us knows more than any one of us, right? So how do we get the whole kind of generic um, common knowledge from the team to bubble up a little bit? And that's kind of what I would I would think. That's interesting uh, that it would go back to the person that spoke the most. Right, that that that's what people would feel, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, so when I interviewed for a company, we had I was given a puzzle. It was the cue ball puzzle. Do you know that puzzle? Nope. Let's hear it. So it went along the lines, and they posed it, you know, very delicately. Like they said, "Hey, you know, we do puzzles, and you know, here's the situation, right? You've got um, you've got eight cue balls, like from a pool table, right? The the, right. the white balls, right?" And they, you know, look exactly alike. And one of the eight is slightly lighter in weight than the other seven, right? Mm. And you've got uh, a scale, like a balance scale, like a scale of justice where you've got buckets. Right? And you would have to, uh, and so the question they asked me is like, how would you identify the the light cue ball? Okay. So, do you want to run through it? Do you want to give the answer, yeah, or do you? Want to... Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't... good. How oh, you're you saying it? how I would do it? Yeah, how would you do it? I don't know. I would wave with my hands. I guess is that possible? No, no, not? you know, you use the balance scale, right? So my answer was, I would take two at a time and put them right. on the balance scale right. until I found the lighter. Different. No, no, no I think you four and four, right? Well, I, that's not what my answer was. My answer was I would start. So when I was do four and four. Right. One side so they, will be lighter than the other. Then you get two and two. Right. And then so you be one on one. Right. So so the way I did it at first, I didn't know that they were going to ask me this question because they're like, okay, so then worst case scenario in four measurements, you've identified the light bulb. Right. Uh, I was like, yes. And like, well, can you do it in less? So then I went to four and four, which then led to three measurements. And then they're like, well, can you do it in less than three? I was like, well, since you're asking me, I assume so. So, uh, and so the, uh, the, you know, we were talking, it was just talking out loud. So then I did two and two, which also ends up being three measurements. And, uh, and I think which made them very happy is I said the, uh, well, the only other possible starting measurement is three and three. And I was like, but I think that also is three measurements. And like, is it? Let's talk it out. And so if you do three and three, it's actually two measurements. So within two measurements, if you start three and three, you will always be able to identify so which if three ball was. Cool, then you know it's one or the other two. Right. You measure those. Three and three and they're not equal. Right. You know, you take the lower and you go one on one, then one on one. You just do one on one. And if, right. if, if they're equal, if they're it's equal the other. Oh, so, right. it's the third, yeah, so you can do it in two very, measurements. Very good. Yeah. 
That was the positive. Get the job. I mean, that's all that matters, right? I did get the job. Yes, I got the. I also had. I also had the wonder. I also had the Wonderlick in. I think they were so pleased that I scored high enough on the Wonderlick to be hired. Um, that you know, basically, I don't no know what the Wonderlick is. What is that exactly? So the Wonderlick is a is a cognitive exam, right? And so, so I got introduced to it a long time ago. I had a customer that was hiring, this is back in the 90s, and they were hiring copier repair technicians, big customer. They hired mm -hmm. lots of these people. Mm -hmm. And they wanted us to administer the Wonderlick test to them. And they had a range that they wanted them to score, right? Because if they were too high cognitively, right, that they don't last. Those guys, they're, they're, gone. They're, they're gone, right? And if they were too low, they really couldn't do it. So there's like this range of where you could do it. Now, the company that I was interviewing for, they wanted the leadership to score a 35 or above. And, you know, scoring a 35 or above on the Wonderlick, it, it's a small population. It's like uh, say like 12% of the population score a 35 or above on the Wonderlick. So mm -hmm. it eliminates, you know, a huge portion of candidates, right? You know, and it's probably not 12% of candidates because, you know, to get to that point that you're being interviewed, you're probably a higher cognitive ability to begin with, but, but, uh, but it made hiring there very hard. So I was convinced that no matter how I answered anything, they were going to offer me the job because I scored high enough to be hired. Cool. Good. Yeah. So the, uh, yeah, so that was the joke. Was the guy that I went to work for? Everyone else in this department had previously worked for him, except for me. Mm. And so I was like, "So you ran out of friends to give them one to like test to?" <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, so that's a really interesting subject in interviewing. So there was this um, consulting company that came in and worked with us um, back at Altel, so back way back in the day mm -hmm. uh, about how to do. Um, interviewing and as part of the interview process was basically making people do presentations, right? Like their their idea of how to identify uh, the best candidates was to give them the business scenario and make them come back and present a result to you. So literally make them give a presentation and yeah. that would identify, you know, top tier candidates, how well are they able to present, be in front of a group. Um, I don't know that they ever really in, in implemented that methodology, but I did like it. And I kept my binder for years. I probably still have that somewhere where I forget the name of the consulting company, but they were, you know, like, hey, it's part of the interview process. Like they should be giving a presentation and, you know, reporting um, or, or giving a, like, hey, how would you, you know, Grow, grow the business. What would your business strategy be, et cetera? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's. I want to pivot slightly, although I think I can argue this is in a similar vein, but it's a music-related topic, and it is the idea of all no more than the than the one. We're as a group, we're smarter than the one, and so something came across my Facebook feed that intrigued me and it was a bracket like a NCAA tournament bracket but of musical artists and you were to pick them and eventually get to the final four and there were maybe 30 list 32 I think listed 
And so I printed it out and we started to do it as a family, which was fun over Thanksgiving. And then as we did it, we kept adding people. They forgot somebody or th this person wasn't on or this is my favorite band. They're not even listening. So eventually I went in and built this bracket that I've given to you as well of 128 musical acts. <laughs> and they're loosely seated and in brackets. But as you and I started looking at it and, and doing it, going through we realized some people were probably seated wrong to where you have powerhouses coming against each other early in the in the rounds where they probably should be further on. So we've talked about how do we uh, expose this to multiple people and allow multiple people to help seed these people. But based on their inputs, how would we seed them differently? So my vote is let's take a break. Let's come back. And let's go through a couple of examples of the seeds, see how you, you compared to where I compare, and any comments on how we should reseed a, a particular section. Yeah, that'd be great. So we'll be back in about 60 seconds. Have you been fortunate enough to be part of a winning team? It is great when everyone works together to achieve the same goal. Having synergy with people we work with is critical to our collective success. Without alignment, completing the work can be challenging at best. Did you know that the wrong executive hire can cost a company up to 15 times that executive's annual salary? If that number seems surprising to you, just stop for a moment and contemplate the ripple effect of choosing the wrong leader. Imagine the decline in team members' productivity, the decrease to employee morale, and the negative impact on business relationships. If you are looking to hire a key member for your organization, it is critical to have the best people partnering with you to realize your vision. My name is Renee Catanzaro, and I'm the president and co-founder of Renee Vincent Executive Placement. We specialize in identifying superior candidates for leadership roles. We know what to look for in top candidates and use scientifically validated methodologies in our vetting and hiring processes that will ensure your business has a competitive edge. We can help you find the perfect candidate for your open position that not only fits the skills and abilities checkpoints, but who also will be a great cultural match for your organization. Allow us the opportunity to partner with you for winning results that enable you to accelerate your business vision with hiring the best people on the market. Reach out to me today to learn more through LinkedIn or via email at renee at reneevincent.win. Okay, welcome back to Meet the New Boss. So today you got Vince and Jeff. We're hanging out, having a good time. No guests today, but uh, we're talking about Jeff's holiday project with his family, which was creating uh, an NCAA basketball tournament type um, elimination table associated with musical acts. And, uh, and so right before we went live, Jeff shared with me and asked me to fill out my bracket. So, uh, so I'll give you a little bit of, you know, it didn't come with much, you didn't give me much instruction, right? And so nope. I, I kind of took the approach in the best of my view 
what was the most impactful social changing music changing act versus what would Vince prefer to listen to right yeah that's a question it's funny as people started doing it they could answer a few and then pretty quickly they're like well wait a minute what am I answering here am I answering who I think is the best or am I answering who I like the most or am I answering who I think people think are the best and so I purposely wouldn't give much information. I would say it's all those things. It's what what you think of all those things. So I purposely didn't want to give you any instructions. Yeah. So I so I thought there were um, yeah. So I just took the approach of like yeah, like what's the what, what's the the biggest most powerful you know groupings and a couple of groupings right. You got to some in my mind very similar tough you know decision making. Like in your, I know you did them kind of, uh, you know, geographical. Although the acts are not geographical, um, you know, you, you really got. You, How do I label things? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's like I thought, like Bon Jovi and Metallica coming up against each other, you know, um, in my in my bracket, it's like they're both probably. Man, I don't know what you know. I don't know their stats, but you know they're probably both pretty close. I leaned. I went with Metallica, thinking that they were more musical shifting than Bon Jovi was. Okay. You know, um, you, know you, you got uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers and David Bowie, right? The, they came together in my bracket. Like, oh man, that's you know, how do you choose between those two? The impact that they made on music. Um, Billy Joel and Black Sabbath, right? You know, another one that w- was tough to go through. But that was the the section where um, you've got, uh, I think you had Zeppelin as a, uh, as a one seed, and you had Queen as, as a one seed. Although Queen didn't make it out of the bracket for me, I went with, the, a, a nine seed, which was Neil Young, who I think would just musically impacted that that bracket, the you know the greatest. So my so my uh, that group came down to Neil Young and Zeppelin. So which and, which which tab are you on? I'm on East and North. East and North, okay. So you took Queens. You took Queen over Nirvana. I took Queen to meet Neil Young. Yeah, so I'm just going through my bracket. So you beat, so you beat Nirvana. Who did you have? Uh, you had Metallica over Bon Jovi. Yep. Then they lost to Queen. You had my guess is you had GNR. I didn't have GNR. I, Who did I they lose? Neil, Neil Young coming out of that oh, one. Beat, beat GNR out of the gate. Yeah, well, because GNR had one mega album. Yeah. It was mega, right? Like, don't get me wrong. It was, you know, a mega album, but, you know. And I don't know Neil Young that great, but, like, I know Neil Young, right? Like, my whole life I've heard about Neil Young, right? So from a, you know, you know, I think globally people know who Neil Young is more than they know who Guns N' Roses. All right. What about you personally, though? Oh, I personally would, eh, you know, even then, right? Guns are, I mean, I love Appetite for Destruction as an sure. album. I thought it was just, you know, top 10 album. But uh, other than that, 
That's What's it. your favorite Neil Young song of all time? I don't know. I don't know. See? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I, Neil Young but, for me out of the gate. But but I know if I heard a Neil Young song, I would be able to say that's Neil Young. Right. And see, this is exactly what we're talking about. We need to have the the people decide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. So uh, so let's go to the South and Southeast bracket that you put together. Well, hold on. I didn't get to say who my final four oh, here. Oh, yeah. Who'd you get, who'd you get to yeah, your final four in that bracket? Surprisingly, your, yeah. I could tell you the people that made it pretty far, Smiths versus GNR, Traveling Wilburys versus the Cars, ended up with the Smiths. Representing the entire bracket? Representing the entire bracket. All right, that's crazy talk. I mean, come on. Fleetwood Mac beat Led Zeppelin for me. I'm not a Led Zeppelin fan. That's besides the point. I don't know. Maybe it's not besides the point, but yeah. No, because yeah. then they're out, right? That's who made it to your final four, right? Yeah. yeah. The uh, so okay. This is my final four. You're Zeppelin, right? Yep. All right. So south and southeast. All right. So south and southeast. Like REM and Ed Sharon, I thought was like a tough matchup for those guys. Fred Sharon coming out of the gate, right? Getting knocked out by REM. Um, you know. Uh, well, you know, and like Kanye and CCR, man, that's another tough oh. one. Right out of the, right out of the gate. Well, and I have Prince, and and Prince, ten, Prince right. and Drake too. Another one yeah. that's yeah. tough coming right out of it. You know, how do you, you know? And now I don't know Drake, but I do hear Drake is musical genius. Right? Sure, right. Prince yeah. is certainly musical genius, and. Uh, so yeah, so mine went. I had um, in that bracket. I had Skinner, you know, meeting up with Santana, and Skinner beating out Santana, running yeah. into the Who, losing to the yeah. Who. Right. I had Prince coming out. Uh, Prince beating out Elvis in that bracket. Prince beat ACDC then, I guess. Prince beat ACDC, and then, then Elvis. Uh, Elvis beat Garth. And um, and, uh, and also the Foo Fighters right there. Yeah, I picked Foo Fighters. I think you and I pick almost exact opposite on every every spot. Really? Yeah. So the Foo Fighters right have been or you know kind of kept rock and roll alive for a long time. Yeah, 20, but Garth, Garth Garth in his heyday was was mega, right? Mm. And uh, and so then and then I had Prince beating Elvis and Prince beating the Who. And Prince running into Stevie Wonder and beating Stevie Wonder. I had CCR meeting Stevie Wonder. I had Tina coming up. Tina Stevie Turner. Wonder beating REM. Yeah, well, Stevie Wonder, is, you know, he's a musical legend, right? Yeah. All right. All right. REM sweeps this for me. Keep going. Well, I, well, I know that for you. Right. Hey, I had Madonna, I had Madonna meet, uh, meeting Stevie. Wait, wait, wait. Um, you had Madonna beat The Clash? Yes, I'm Madonna, and then wow. Madonna beating Pearl Jam, and then losing to Stevie Wonder. All right, and so your final four for this round is? For that side was The Who, Prince, CCR, no. and Stevie Wonder. No, oh, no, no, no. Prince came out of that for my Prince friend. won this this region for you. Yeah, yeah, and R.E.M. won for you, obviously. Of course, yeah, R.E.M. Yes. won for me. Right, I would redo it here to not let R.E.M. And, and The Clash go up against each other for some two, time. Two, yeah. My other um, notables, you know, my final two were R.E.M. and the band. Looks like the band got knocked out by the Who by you early on. Uh, my top 
four for this round would be REM Go-Go's Prince the Band. Man, I stand by those. Those are pretty pretty strong musical influences. Although I wish the Clash could have gone up against the Go-Go's. They would have been they would have been in they would have moved on. All right. Okay. North and East. I, I did have Soundgarden beating Paul McCartney because it felt like Paul McCartney as an individual performer. Uh, yeah. There's a couple, there's a couple of slides there, but not yeah. much. I had CCR beating Paul McCartney. I, uh, okay, so let's go Northeast, Northwest, right? So uh, this one, you know, I thought like Bruce Springsteen and Roy Orbison were hard. I went with Bruce. Yeah, um, he's got to go against. Bruce went against uh, well, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson right away. Who did you pick there? Michael Jackson. Yeah, me too. It's hard to beat the king of pop, right? Yeah. Uh, I had you two advancing. I had you um, two beating Aerosmith and then losing yeah, to Michael Jackson. I had you uh, loses to Michael Jackson in round three. Yeah, for me, yeah. yeah and then uh, Michael. And then I had Eminem uh, beating NXS. Okay. Um, and I had uh, The Doors and Kiss coming out, and then Kiss beating Eminem, but losing to Michael Jackson. And mm. then I had The uh, Stones coming out against Elton. Stones have to beat everybody over there, right? Yeah, Stones, yeah. So Elton John, Who else John, did they right? beat, like, in, uh, in round two? They beat Elton John. Yeah, um, I, had to, I had to, Ray Charles beating the police. I had the Eagles beating Janis Joplin coming out, right? And then uh, Rush beating Little Richard. Eagles beating Rush. Stones beating Ray Charles. <laughs> and, then, great. and then I had the Stones beating Michael Jackson. Everybody, so yeah. So my, uh, mine's very similar to top, but although I picked you two over Michael Jackson, the replacements... Get that center section. They beat NXS, Eminem. They beat the Doors. Doors beat Billy Nelson for me. The Stones are killing everybody. Stones beat Daft Punk. Beat Elton John, who beat Whitney Houston. <coughs> I have this police against the Sex Pistols. Police win that, then lose to the Stones. Chuck Berry beating Janis Joplin, then beating the Eagle. Or no, the Eagles beat Chuck Berry. The Eagles have beat Abba. After Johnny Cash beating Rush out of the gate, Velvet Underground beating Little Richard, then beating Johnny Cash, then beating the Eagles. So my final four on this is Velvet's Stones replacements in U2. For the finals are replacement Stones, and I got to go to the Stones, Rolling Stones. Yeah, Who's your partner? It's Stones, it, right? It's the first yes. time we've met. Yep. And the uh, yes, this okay. is your favorite. Your favorite man this, uh, is Kiss on this. No kiss, kiss, on. Ki no, kiss is there. Kiss, uh, kiss lost to Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. I, like, listen, like you know, I love Kiss, and, and their yeah. musical accomplishments is unquestionably, you know, unbelievably right. But you know, Michael Jackson is the king of pop. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I mean, when, I, kid, when a kid uh, was eight years old, women were trying to break into his house. All right, let's wrap up this. Right. Just right, give me your uh, your round three picks on the Southwest and West. All right, so all that I have uh, Beatles coming yeah. out of that bracket. Uh, um, I have, uh, in, and then Beatles beating Beyonce. I had Dylan beating Snoop. Um, yeah. I had uh, Aretha beating Pink Floyd. Mm -hmm. and, and then um, Van Halen beating Ice Cube. 
right. I got Talking Hats beating Van Halen. Beastie Boys beating Aretha. Tom Petty beating Dylan. Cure beating the Beatles. Controversial, but... Yeah, man. I don't know how you do that. All right, so then... That's my life. I I know more Cure songs than I do Beatles songs. I had uh, Van Halen, right, meeting the Beatles. And, like, the Van Halen thing, like, like, in my mind, Eddie Van Halen changed the way rock guitarists play guitars. Right. Yep. Change change music from the '80s through the '90s of sure. guitar play. Right. So the uh, but have them losing to the Beatles because this is only one Beatles, right? So so my final four, very traditional. My final four was the Stones versus the Beatles and Zeppelin versus <laughs> Prince, and then Zeppelin meeting the Beatles and the Beatles winning. I mean, who's more influential than the Beatles? Come on. I have the Smiths and R.E.M. I guess I have Smith Stones and then R.E.M. Beastie Boys. And my final two, I know I have Beastie Boys separate from R.E.M. My final two are R.E.M. Beastie Boys and winners R.E.M. Well, those are your two favorite bands. So well, you did, I, it, very, I, I, you did I, it very I, personal I, to you. Like, no, like if this I, was- I would argue they changed, um, they changed music as much as the Beatles ever did, actually. Like if, if this was Vince's list, it would have Alice Cooper on it. It would have Judas Priest on it. It would have right, there's a whole bunch of there's a whole bunch of Vince, you know, favorite both of these bands, bands missing. The both of these bands, the Beastie Boys and REMs, ushered in a category of music that was never there before. Ushered in, defined it. Yeah, well, all of all of them, yeah. Maybe the Stones didn't usher in their own version. Not really. Cer- no. Certainly, the Beatles. Zeppelin and Princeton. I don't know. Prince? <laughs> Prince? Prince is a great, great musician. That's for sure. Fabulous yeah. songwriter. Yeah. But funk music yeah. had been around since Parliament Funk in 71. No, maybe that's true. Zeppelin, really, Zeppelin took that whole blues rock to... Blues rock, yeah, they spread music from the 40s. That was awesome. But what the Beastie Boys did was they brought rap music to an audience that injected it with money in the white suburbs of America that made rap the worldwide phenomenon it's been for the last 40 years. R.E.M. similarly brought injected money into and created the, the definition of alternative alternative rock, which then took see, over the mainstream. See, I think our music, although our age isn't 10 years apart, I think our music influence is about a 10-year spread, right? Because I, I latched on I'm to my older brother and sister. I'm cooler and more hip and more in tune with what the kids are doing. And you're like of an older generation, our grandparents, and what they did on the farm um, when they had a little transistor radio they had made themselves uh, from, the, from the, the magazine, the Popular Mechanics magazine. That's you. Yes, that's me, yes. That is true. All right, I don't know that we solved anything, but uh, the point of all these lists is collaboration, group sourcing, and that's my advice. If you're having an interview where you're going to be in a collaborative situation is don't just be the leader that talks the most, but be the leader that has a high EQ, high emotional EQ, and can get get the best of um, the whole team. That's so there was this... 
there was this time when I was going to Mexico on vacation with my, my wife and another couple. And we were taking the train, taking the train to the airport. Right. So we met at the train station, we're taking the train to the airport. And like the train's running late. And we was like, oh, you know, what are we gonna do? And finally we we you know jumped into one of the cars and hauled ass to the airport because we were gonna end up missing our flight because we waited so long for this right. train that wasn't showing up. And you know, the guy that I was traveling with brought this point about what he was reading that was like the inefficiencies of collaborative leadership, right? Mm. Like you get a group together and no one's really making a decision or you're settling on decision versus someone just taking the lead and driving to a, a solution. And was and because he was reading about it related to the experience we just had of right. like, why are we sitting here waiting for this train that's not coming? You know, we need to haul <laughs> ass to the airport and get to the airport in time. So I do think there's some of that as well. And maybe it really depends upon there's a time for management, right, which would mm. be the collaboration, getting the systems working, being efficient, measuring, improving, tweaking. And there's a time of crisis, which is where mm. leadership is required. And that's for someone to step up, take the bull by the horns and, and make some decisions. What do you think about that thought? I don't know. I don't like the. I don't love the uh, the management leadership um, bridging. I I do think there's like a ready aim 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 fallacy, right? Where you just continue never make a decision. I I, I saw something in, in my other, you know, awesome life in TikTok where it said. Something like 50% of the ants in an ant farm or ant hill are just pretending to work, <laughs> right? <laughs> that they stick like a camera on them and they can tell they're just they're going around, 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 but they're never they never pick up a piece of sand and move it, right? They just pick up a piece of sand and walk around with it all day, <laughs> or <laughs> they never pick up a piece of food and move it. They just have food with them and they just are trying to get people not to hassle them. It's like there's that happens a lot. I think in organizations, you know, Elon uh, Musk just bought Twitter. He fired like 70 percent of the staff. Right. There's like, you know, not true at all is. But the rumor is he went in and, and would ask people, well, what do they really do? What are they working on? And you didn't have a really good answer. It's like you got terminated. Right. And so. Um, yeah, so some of the, so why know, couldn't the um, customer talk right to the engineers? And yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> exactly. So well, you give. Well, and then I think there are other leaders that are like ready, fire, aim, right? Where they are just shooting from the hip and not not thinking through it. But I think, it, I mean, I think if I walked into an interview that was, uh, da, uh, you know, kind of tagged as collaborative exercise, I would I would lean into the collaborative nature of that. <laughs> yes, no question. And I think like and I'm very guilty of the being the not even in leadership, but just in almost everything that I do is. Uh, ready, fire, aim, right? Like, uh, yeah. you know, like I, I always had to resist 
on responding to emails too fast, right? And, right. and you know, even when I was coaching, I had, you know, a sales organization. I had this one sales guy who wanted to respond to this, you know, customer that was upsetting him, right? Like, he, mm -hmm. it, was, and it was via email. And I was like, don't respond, right? And he's like, I got to respond. I said, no, just, like, just don't respond. Wait until tomorrow. Just wait until tomorrow. You can respond first thing tomorrow morning, but sit on it overnight. He's like, I can't do it. I got to respond tonight. I was like, no, don't respond. Right? Like, nope. just, just wait until tomorrow. Right? Just, just give us some time, right? Let Give us some time. And that's something that, you know, it's a learned skill. And I think I, I've become pretty good at being more patient than I naturally am. But in the heat of the moment, I... I make what I would call speed mistakes. Now, the speed gives me opportunities that others wouldn't get because I'm so quick to move on things. Right? If I see something that, you know, I, you know, I smell blood, I'm on it fast, right? And, and it's hard to beat me to there, right? Mm -hmm. But so that leads to a lot of opportunity. But I've also made numerous speed mistakes. I move too fast. All right. Well, this was a great episode. Um, I hope to talk to you next week. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that'd be wonderful. I was going to suggest that. Do we, for your final four, do you want to give me a, a couple of favorite songs for your final four? Sure. So I think uh, for the Smiths, How Soon Is Now, it's got to be one of the top songs of all time. It's just amazing. Um, I think The Cure, Just Like Heaven, everybody knows that song. R.E.M., I would do Gardening at Night, alternate vocal mix. And Beastie Boys, I think I'd go The New Style. These are just fabulous songs. How about your top four? I'm full. So my, um, my top four... I, I, you know, I, I've probably given songs from these bands in the past, so I'm going to try to mix it up. So Zeppelin, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with Thank You. Um, uh, Prince, you know, God, I mean, there's so many that come to mind, but a song that when I, if I hear it, and man, it just sticks in my head for a long time after I hear it is Raspberry Beret. Man, I, if that song gets played, I mean, I'm, Raspberry Beret is in my head forever. So yeah. I'll say that one. Uh, the Rolling Stones, I've in the previous episode, I gave you another one of my favorite Rolling Stones. But this one, uh, I'm going to go with, uh, I think, what, Mother's Little Helper. I love that song. And, uh, and the Beatles, uh, I mean, there's so many. Let's go with Eleanor Rigby. Awesome. All right, man. All right, Have man. a good week. We'll you too. Talk I'll talk to you soon. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Meet the New Bus with Vince Catanzaro and Jeff Niebuhr. Available on Apple Podcasts and other streaming platforms. Please like and subscribe. Meet the New Bus is sponsored by Rene Vincent Executive Placement, LLC. Contact Jeff at jeff.niebuhr at iCloud.com or find him on LinkedIn at Jeff Niebuhr. Contact Vince at Vincent at ReneVincent.win or find him on LinkedIn at Vincent Catanzaro. Bumper music provided by The Who and Budafi. Additional engineering provided by Just In Time Recordings. 
All material 100% controlled by Vincent Catanzaro and Jeff Niebuhr. Unauthorized reproduction is prohibited by law. Meet the new bus.